Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor Tim Barone at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Well, grace and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage everyone to open up a Bible uh, to Revelation chapter 7. Uh, It's on page 1032 in the Pew Bible. You can get it out on your phone or anything that's useful. As it's useful to see these words as we think through them. Today is All Saints Day. That's why everything is white today. It's a day that we remember uh, those people who have died and are with the Lord now. It's worth our time to stop and to think about those people who have gone before us in the faith and have shown us the way. And so that's what we're doing today. A little later in the prayers of the church, we will uh, ring a bell for each of the names of those people who have died in our church community this year since the last All Saints Day. So it's a day of remembering uh, those who have died and are asleep with the Lord. I think if we could ask people who have died and are with the Lord, if we could ask them one question, a good question would be, Was it worth it? Was it worth it? And that's what I'd like you to consider uh, as we look through Revelation chapter 7. Let's look together at this text. uh, Looking in verse 9, we see uh, these people. uh, John sees this vision of the church. All of these people, different tribes, different languages from all over the world, they're all giving glory and praise to one God. They're unified under this one lamb who sits on the throne. They're all blessing him, saying, glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. So it's a worship scene. Look with me in verse 13. He says, then one of the elders addressed me, saying, who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And He said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I want you to see two things about this description of the church in the future. How did they get there? They got there because their robes had been washed in the blood of the Lamb. They're standing there not by their own efforts, of course, but by the work of Christ being applied to them, being washed in the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. They stand worshiping the true God in glory. That's the good news. Here's the bad news. Look with with me Earlier in that verse, it says, these are the ones coming out of what? The great tribulation. The great, it doesn't say, these are the ones coming off of Christmas vacation. Or these are the ones coming back from spring break. Or the Bahamas. But rather, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. Now, earlier uh, in chapter 6, There's this description of this great tribulation coming on the earth that God is allowing suffering to come on the earth so that people might repent and call out for mercy. And some are and some aren't. Uh, And so certainly we can say uh, there's a great tribulation that is coming towards the end of the world that will increase. We can say that. And it looks like war 
and it looks like famine, and it looks like hardships. But certainly, we can understand as well that we are living in the last days of the world. Ever since Jesus came down to be with us, we are in the last age. And we, too, walk in tribulation. That if we are to be in this scene, it will be because we have come out of a tribulation, a suffering. It wasn't easy. It wasn't a cakewalk. But there was difficulty along the way. And so I'm going to ask you to say something to your neighbor. So I'm sorry for making you do this. But I'm going to ask you to say something to your neighbor. Uh, So I'll put it on the screen in a second. But I want you to kind of encourage each other with this. Ready? Say this. Okay, now say it, not to me, but to your neighbor. (laughs) Okay. It's the truth. Um, Sometimes this sneaks up on us, that we maybe weren't expecting it, even though Jesus had been talking about this the whole time in his ministry. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are you when you're persecuted. Why? Because you're identifying yourself with Jesus the Lord. That's when you're blessed. But it doesn't feel like blessing. He gives a promise, not for this life, but for the life that is to come. The meek will inherit the kingdom of God. They haven't yet. The poor in spirit will be comforted, but that's still coming. And so part of what it means to be identified as a Christian and to follow after Jesus is to accept the suffering that Jesus encountered and to look forward to the glory that is his only after the cross. It is to pick up our crosses and follow him. And so we shouldn't be surprised that this is the nature of Christian life as we're living in this world. It doesn't always feel like spring break. A lot of times it feels like dreary winter. It feels like difficulty. It feels like temptation. It feels like tribulation. This is what it says in 1 John. Um, We read this this morning as well, that the reason why the world does not know us is because they did not know him. The king of the universe came into this world and everyone else had a different agenda. So they didn't want him to rule and reign over him. And so if we are to follow after Jesus, we will encounter the same tensions in our life. So how do these tensions come? I think in in two ways. Um, First of all, there's external temptations, external tribulations, and that feels like pain, right? It feels like pain. Um, There are many people in the history of the world who have been killed for the Christian faith You likely will not be killed for your faith, but you will encounter difficulty and pains, and likely those things will be in the forms of tensions in your family and in your friends. Um, There will be those who reject you because you stand with Jesus on certain things. There will be those who have different opinions about the world and different priorities for their time and for their money. And the tension of living with those people in love will feel like a cross. If you are a young person in here, uh, there is a high probability that you will find rejection from your friends if you are a biblical Christian. 
If you're a young person in here, there is a fairly high probability that you will be faced with a situation where you're going to have to choose someone you're interested in dating or marrying or choose the gospel. And it will feel like a cross. It will feel difficult. And you're going to say, my heart is captive to Jesus. My heart is captive to these ancient words given to me. I can do nothing else but stand on them. And that person that you love or you want to be loved by will say, I don't share that conviction. And so when the cards are down, they're going to walk in a different direction than you. And you're going to have to choose. Am I going to go in that same direction and reject the faith or lessen my commitment to the faith? Or am I going to stand firm? But in either case, it won't feel good. If you're an older person here with us today, uh, it's very likely that you'll experience this in your children or your grandchildren. That some of those who are uh, related to you by blood will say, I just don't believe this. I don't buy it. Maybe I did at one point, but right now it's not a priority for me. And that will hurt. It won't feel good. It will feel like when Jesus himself was rejected. It will feel like when Jesus wept outside of Jerusalem, how long did I want to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. Jerusalem is where the prophets are killed. And so there's this difficulty of this pressure from our social situation, and this causes pain. And if you're not ready for that, it can knock you over. It can push you down. And so is it worth it to persevere? Uh, Other ways that these tribulations come is internal, and usually those don't come as pain into your life, but they come as pleasures. That internally we're tempted by the pleasures of this world uh, to reject the painful way of walking with Jesus. And so the the New Testament, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says this, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. And so glorify God with your body. Here he's talking about sexual temptations. He's saying you don't belong to yourself. Your body was blood-bought and washed by the Lamb of God. And so you belong to the risen Lord Jesus in your body. And so flee from sexual immorality and know that you're safe with him. And I've wondered often how many people will leave the way of Jesus simply because they do not want to bow to him in their sexuality that they cannot or they feel like they cannot control themselves. And so they feel like they have to steal pleasures from God instead of accepting them as a gift from his hand and in his way and in his timing. They can steer us away from the Lord, make us reject at least some of his words. Or... Uh, every time or often when I talk to people and you too, and you say, how are you doing? And they say, good. And then how are things going? What's the next thing they say? Busy. (laughs) Right? How are you? Good. How are things going? I'm busy. It's just the truth. Uh, We're all busy, right? The temptation is that we can busy ourselves right out of the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches about this quite a bit. That if we have priorities that are different things than the kingdom of God, we can actually lose 
our, our, our relationship with the Lord. How foolish it would be to gain the whole world, Jesus says, but lose our soul and not to be rich toward God. But often our world applauds us when we're so busy we can't see straight. When we have to be so productive and gain all these things for ourselves that we can't get off that train because what we're actually pursuing is our fame and our comfort in our finances and our successes. And so it can feel like, to follow Jesus, it can feel like missing out on an economic opportunity and leaving it on the table. It can feel like saying, I'm going to step back from the busyness that I'm being crushed by so that I can prioritize the things that will last into eternity and not the things that will burn up and be devoured by moths. And it can feel like temptation. It can feel like tribulation to keep those things straight in your lives. It's no easy task. It's a heartache. And so there's these external factors and these internal factors, but it all leads to this conclusion that as a Christian, we will encounter suffering in this life. Is it going to be worth it? Well, let's say this next thing to ourselves. Let's talk to each other again. Suffering with Jesus is worth it. It's worth it. That's what All Saints is about. And that's what the words of Jesus is about. You do not worship a God who demands everything for you and rewards nothing. But rather, you worship a God who rewards generously for those who trust him. Who repays back everything that is lost. You worship a just and generous king who loves to lavish us with his gifts when we listen to his words. Let's look together back in Revelation. The ones coming out of the great tribulation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And so let's think about the future of these people, God's blood-washed people. Look in verse 15 with me. It says, Therefore... They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. You know what? When I read that for the first time, it says, we're going to serve God forever. There's like a little sinful part of me that said, I don't want to serve anyone. You too? That doesn't sound so good. I don't want to serve anyone. I want to serve myself, right? If God's going to give me something, I want him to allow me to serve myself and be my own master. But the truth is, we have been given an eternal purpose from God. The reason that he created you was to be one who stewards creation in his service. And if you don't have that, you don't have your purpose in life. You were built and designed to do this, to serve God with all of your being. And this says, at the end, you will have that. Your very purpose for existing will be fulfilled as all of your attributes, all of your strengths, all of your passions are tuned to the service of God. You will be blessed in your service. Let's continue on. He says, And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Sheltered by the king. It's hard for us to grasp how powerful a blessing that is. The truth is, we have this blessing today. 
that Jesus is looking over us today, that he is defending you today. We know that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. That's an easy one to say amen to. It's beautiful. God is on your side now because of Jesus. God is with you. He's going to shelter you in his presence. Nothing can attack you as you are with the king of all creation being sheltered by him. The next thing, uh, it says this. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. These are physical descriptions, right? Heat and sun and hunger. These human needs that we have, these physical needs we have, will be dealt with finally. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. We won't know what it means to labor and fall exhausted. We won't know what it means to faint, to pass out, to need someone to put blood into our veins. These things will be solved as we are in the presence of Almighty God. These things will be no more. It's the same promises that Jesus is continually giving to us, but especially in John chapter 5. He says, anyone who believes in me, I will raise up on the last day. I will give them new and resurrected bodies. First John says, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but we know we will be like him because we'll see him face to face. God will restore our bodies no more to be fragile and frail, but now to be forever blessed, filled with living water in God's presence. The next verse, it says this, for the lamb is in the midst of the throne. They will be their shepherd. He will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The promise is that after all the tribulation, after all the difficulty, you will be comforted by God himself. Now, when you were a kid and you fell down on the sidewalk and you skinned your knee, you sprang up and you started screaming and you ran somewhere. You ran to find comfort and you probably ran to mom or dad. It was probably mom (laughs) because you know dad was going to use the rubbing alcohol, right? (laughs) So you ran to mom because mom knew exactly what to do. She knew how to blow on that boo-boo to make it all right. She knew how to clean it gently. She knew how to put the band-aid on it and she knew how to hold you close until you felt ready and brave enough to go out and run and play again. But when we are, have lived in this world for a significant amount of time, we have encountered deeper wounds than skin knees. Um, Many of us have been filled with regret at things we didn't do or words we said that broken relationship and we can't get back there to fix it. Or some of us have been abandoned and betrayed, even by our own family. And that has shaped us and wounded us deeply. Some of us have been filled with sorrow because someone that we loved died. Maybe he died too young. And we're filled with questions. And we don't have good answers. 
Some of us have been addicted, addicted to behaviors, addicted to sufferings, addicted to substances, and that has wrecked our lives and ruined us, and we've needed help. Some of us have been living in poverty. Some of us have been abused. God knows how to comfort you. God knows what it will take to wipe the tears away from your eyes truly, to mend your broken heart in all the ways that it has been misshapen because of the abuses of this world and the sinfulness that we live in. God will comfort you. That means he knows the words to say. He knows how to restore you. He knows how to make you stand up to be brave again, no longer wounded by these things. The promise is that we will be comforted by the Lord himself. And so these things, as we suffer in this life, will it be worth it? Of course, it's worth it. It's worth suffering with the Lord because it'll be worth it to see him in the end, to have all of his promises given to us in person. The third thing I'd like you to speak to one another. Are you ready? Speak this to one another. You don't suffer alone. One of the greatest tactics of, of Satan is to make you feel isolated and alone. You're the only one who's ever suffered this way. You're the only one who knows this difficulty. You're the only one who faces this challenge. It's not true. You are not alone. You've been gathered together with God's people, and we all bear crosses. Ask the people in your pews, what have you suffered through? How has God showed you his faithfulness as you've struggled? I promise you, every one of us in this room has a story about how God has helped them and mended them and given them hope even in the midst of great darkness. You are not alone, friend. You are gathered together with the saints of God. And they are your help. They can lift you up. They can bolster you and give you great courage and strength. One saint that has gone before us, uh, St. Agatha, she died in 251 in Sicily under a persecution of the Christians. Uh, there was a man who wanted to marry her, but she had given a vow that she would never be married. She would be devoted to prayer and to the scriptures. And so a man who wanted to marry her, a judge in the area, his name was Quintianus, uh, he was determined to marry her, and so he knew she was a Christian, and that was illegal at the time, and so she, he brought her forward, and he gave her a choice. He said, either you can be married to me, or you can go and be tortured. She prayed, Jesus Christ, Lord of all, you see my heart, and you know my desires. Possess all that I am. I am your sheep. Make me worthy to overcome the devil. Weeping and praying for courage, she confessed her faith. And so, cruelly, Quintiana sentenced her to a month of torture, where she was abused, she was harmed, she was burned, she was whipped. And he called for her again, and she still confessed her faith. It's said that Agatha went skipping joyfully to her execution 
when they found out that she would not renounce her faith. She was going to, a, it was like she was going to a feast or a dance, and she laughed and rejoiced, knowing that in faith her suffering would not be in vain, and what was left for her was a joyful feast with the true love of her life. Again, likely, you're not going to be tortured. You're not going to be burned or whipped or anything like that. But we can take courage for people who have been. And we can take courage with those around us who have held fast to the faith. When they've asked, is it worth it? Is this worth it? And the answer from their lips is yes. A thousand times yes. These saints that have gone before us, they're really just following after Jesus himself, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He was rejected. He was persecuted. But he knew it would be worth it as God would be faithful to raise him from the dead. He knew it would be worth it to spill his blood so that you could be washed in it, so that you could stand in that glorious crowd praising his name so that he could have you forever. Jesus went to the cross because it was worth it. And so too it will be worth it for you as you steadfastly hold on in courage. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.